0: Welcome to the Career Medicine Podcast, and I'm your host, Nisar Ahmed. I'm the founder and editor of the blog, careermedis.com, and welcome to episode 40 of the Medis podcast, and this particular episode is part of uh, what I call a day in the life of series. Uh, in each of these episodes, I conduct interviews with individuals from a particular profession or a particular career, and for today's episode, I'm speaking with uh, someone who's a lot of experience as a sports agent. And our guest's name is Rico Davis. And just to uh, give everyone a little bit of context, today's the time of this recording is February 5th, 2017. It's the same day the Super Bowl is being held, so it's kind of auspicious, and the timing is perfect. We're speaking to a sports agent today on the day of the Super Bowl. In this interview, Rico will be sharing his experience, how he got started in this profession, where he stands today, some of the benefits, some of the challenges, etc. So. Hey, Rico, welcome to the podcast.
1: Thank you. Thank you. I definitely appreciate you having me on this show as well.
0: Oh, you're welcome. It's a pleasure. It's not uh, every day that I get to speak to someone who has worked in your capacity. And I'm sure anyone listening to is also excited to listen to someone. I mean, when I think of sports agent, I get Jerry Maguire as uh, (laughs) the first impression. Do you get that a lot? People always compare you to Jerry Maguire when they first hear what you do. Oh, yes,
1: most definitely. Uh, I always hear the, uh, the phrase, show me the money, <laughs> because that was one of the shows that gave people an insight on how sports agency works. And there was another show that used to be one of my favorite. It used to come on HBO called Arless. I don't know if a lot of people remember that show, but Arliss, to me, was a little bit more realistic than, than the Jerry Maguire show me the money show. But uh, it definitely brings back a lot of memories doing those things as well.
0: That sounds great. So I'm sure we'll be hearing a lot today about what happens. But uh, yeah. first of all, if you could start off, introduce yourself. Tell us a little bit about your, yourself, your experience.
1: Okay. Well, of course, I'm Rico Davis. Um, I've been involved with sports for so many years. When I played sports many years ago, you know, I was just playing, and then, uh, you know, of course, a, a sports agent approached me. And uh, keep in mind, you know, I started school late. So after watching him try to get me these deals when I was finished with school, I started asking these questions How long can I try to play this game? Or should I start thinking on the business aspect? And what I did was I followed and I listened to everything that he was saying. And because of me and my personality and my connections, it was more easy for me to start thinking more on the business aspect. So therefore, I turned my career in sports into a business and started making connections with pretty much all of the athletes that I knew. And uh, my job when I first started off is called a runner. A lot of people really don't know what a runner job is, but a runner job is someone that goes out and, and get the players, basically. You know, my job was to kind of you know hang up with a lot of the athletes and things like that i mean i can just you know go down the list of all of the universities that i used to be at on a regular basis once you build that reputation uh, of people knowing who you are then you, you start to get a little bit more connection and it's all about trust in this business and in any other business it's all about trust so when athletes feel like they can trust you they can relate to you. It's a lot easier for them to want to sign with you when that time comes for them to leave out of college. So I enjoyed it for the simple fact when I was much younger as a runner, you know, I get to go to all the college games and, uh, you know, you get to hang out in the dormitory room with all of the football players, you know. It was an experience to enjoy, but at the same time, I knew it was all about business.
0: So Rico, I have a, Dumb question, and pardon me for asking, because okay. this is new to me as well. So when when you were a runner, were you only dealing with athletes in one particular sport, like football, or do you deal with them? Do you meet them for different sports? Well, for myself,
1: my heart was always basketball, but I did it for both football and basketball.
0: Okay, makes sense. Yes. So you're not uh, bound to one particular sport. You could be the talent scout for multiple sports is what I'm
1: hearing. Exactly. Exactly. Yes, definitely. Um, you like I said, um, my heart was always basketball, but yes, I, I did it in football because I actually uh, got my license in uh football for the NFL. Well, before I got my basketball and then I branched off and, and did my own thing and got my license in the, you know, as an NBA agent as well.
0: Okay, perfect. Uh, so the next question naturally comes to me is, uh, What does a day-to-day look like uh, for a sports agent?
1: To day-to-day, I I say, you know, you have some downtime. Downtime is basically when, you know, the season is really not going on. It's kind of like you go out, you kind of recruit. And to be honest with you, when you have the reputation that you are a good person, there's always going to be someone that's going to call you and say, hey, man, you need to come and take a look at this kid or whatever the case may be, come and check out his game and stuff like that. So, you know, we just watch the game, you know, no words or anything being exchanged. You just, you kind of observing this, this player basically. And to be honest with you, if it's a star athlete, you know, a lot of times they tell you, you know, go out and recruit this kid when he finishes last year of eligibility at college. To be honest with you, if you wait that late, you already lost. This thing is big. It, it starts actually while the kid's in middle school, to be honest with you. So you have to sit and watch this kid from middle school through high school and through college. And at that time, all you're doing is building that relationship, of course, with the parents, the family. And I mean, we we can talk about all the dirty side, you know, when it comes to that aspect as well with the parents. But my day just gets up, maybe check out a football game or a basketball game and just kind of observe and and, and see the progress of this kid. And uh, if you if you see where the progress is growing, then you want to continue building that relationship with the parent. And pretty much what it was all about, man, just traveling and going to different games and things like that and making sure that your, your, your player is happy as well. You know, technically, you do not supposed to use those words while they're still playing college sports because that's where the NCAA violation comes in at. So you have to, again, just kind of be that person sitting in the back and just watching and observing. That's all it is, just watching and observing until you know that time is right.
0: So I'm hearing a lot of patients building relationships that's uh, that's a part of the uh, part and parcel of the job, right?
1: That is correct. Building relationship, gaining that trust.
0: So, of all the things that you did when you were when you were in this role, what do you what did you enjoy the most? What are some of the things that you enjoyed most about the role?
1: What I enjoy with it is traveling. Um, I love to travel um, and just meeting new families. And on top of it, you know, when we have a client and you know they happen to get drafted. Watching the parents' expression, because you know a lot of the play- players that we have dealt with, they didn't come from a family that was making millions of dollars. And to be honest with you, there's really not too many families that's just instantly making millions of dollars. So to have a parent who's been making fifty, maybe sixty thousand dollars a year as a family, and then all of a sudden your son's name's been called, and when that name is called, it's it's automatically that sign that we're gonna be okay. We're, we're about to start making millions of dollars. So, I mean, seeing the expressions on these moms and these dad faces, man, it's, it's overwhelming. And I, I still can remember some of these faces that I see, you know, when the mom or the dad was just so excited. Of course, a lot of them start crying because now they feel like we're gonna be okay, you know? But a lot of times there's a lot of hate comes with fame. And, you know, we always used to try to tell our clients to be careful of the three F's. And the three F's I always tell them was family, friends and free because it's going to happen. Everybody's going to have these business ideas that they want you to invest in and things like that. And see, that's when your circle becomes smaller because you can't trust everybody because everybody got their hands out. So these are a lot of things that we talk to the kids about. And also when we know that we have a client that is getting ready to. Uh, be drafted or something like that. We try to tell them to get their parents involved in some type of financial course at at some college. Take a course in finance because a lot of times not too many people know how to deal with millions of dollars. So if you can just know where to kind of invest or where to kind of put your money at um, so you can get the right type of interest rate and things like that, it just gives them a better understanding of how to deal with this money when it comes because it's going to come.
0: That that's actually an interesting side topic itself, right? Because you hear it all the time. I think there are def- there's so much stats where a lot of these professional players where they make millions a year, but once they leave the sport, many of them go down the wrong direction because they yeah. don't manage their money. So that's a good point in itself. So yeah, that, that definitely makes sense. And it's, I think it's your job is also to educate them and just show them the way, making sure they're not going down the wrong path.
1: Oh, yes. Yes, definitely. You know, a lot of things that we try to deal with, you know, because as a sports agent, I've met. Oh, my God. We we met so many financial advisors and, you know, when we introduce them to our clients, we let them know, hey, this is a guy that wants to meet with you. This is someone that we're not dealing with. I never try to deal with the money aspect. I can try to tell them, you know, some directions to go. But I deal with the contract and I deal with the endorsement deals. finance you have to find someone else or if there's someone that maybe we have met and I feel like okay listen to what this guy has to say or this female has to say that you know that's on you but I never try to deal with the finance portion um just the contract and the endorsement deals
0: I'm sure every career every job has uh, both the positives and I shouldn't say negative uh, there's some challenges just <laughs> yes. some challenges uh-huh. because uh, so the next question is uh, what are some of the challenges one will face uh, in, in, in this job? Or one of the things that may not, there's something they may not enjoy.
1: What I didn't like is the no trust factor. You could be involved with a kid's life for three to four years. And the bad part about this business is that it has gotten so corrupt to where you would have, you know, I, I call them the super agents. You know, you have some agents who have nothing but first-round draft picks. So, you know, when I got started, you know, the interest rate used to be 4%. So you get 4% off of whatever that contract is, and they lower it to 3%. But you would have an agent, I don't want to call some of those agents' name, but you would have certain agents who could afford to only take 1% from an athlete because he has three to four first-round draft picks, or he has a lot of first-round draft picks that's already currently in the league. And that's okay. But a lot of times we we call it tangible things where, and you see it, it's it's out there. If you look at certain athletes right now who who came from a certain household, but all of a sudden you see them driving a Mercedes Benz in college, you know, you you, you see them driving Bentleys and and all these expensive cars while they're in college. Somebody's in the background is either going to be an agent, is either going to be a booster It's going to be someone that's helping them stay happy. And the reason I say stay happy is because when that kid comes out, he has to sign with someone. It's a union. So therefore, you have to sign with someone. Lately, I have seen people starting to represent themselves. And I've seen some parents decided to start representing their kids. But at the same time, it's a union. So therefore, you have to have an agent. And when I say there's no trust, you know, there's some incidents where parents will say, hey, I need X amount of dollars. And if you don't take care of the parent, the parent would tell you, well, I'll just have my son go somewhere else. So you've already invested a lot of time and a lot of money. And when that time comes, you you lost your money. And I'll talk about it. I mean, there's thousands of incidents, I mean, from the Reggie Bush, you've been hearing about the whole Reggie Bush incident at USC and how they lost all their uh, scholarships. And that's the reason why, you know, USC has not been a powerhouse lately. Um, You can go down to the University of Miami. The reason they're not a powerhouse because they lose a lot of scholarships and this goes way back to Eric Dickerson days at uh, SMU. Uh, SMU used to be a powerhouse of football, but they went, I guess they kind of call it blackball, where they lost some scholarships because of some things that happened. And Terrell Pryor, who was at Ohio State, some things happened there. And it, it's always happening. And the reason it's happening is because players or, or boosters or agents, somebody's doing some things that is wrong. You know, the NCAA has this thing where you can't, well, I should say, they would tell athletes, "You can't talk to an agent." And the reason they say these things is because they they know that if you talk to an agent, you could lose your eligibility and things like that. I I had a copy of the NCAA book. The NCAA book said, "However, you can actually speak to an agent. However, you can't go into the you can't talk about contracts and things like that." But yeah, you can say something to someone. You can tell someone, "Hi, how you doing? I hope you play well." But in their mind, they had these guys feeling like oh, you cannot talk to an agent. No, you can talk to them. You just can't go into contracts with them. That's that's the difference. And that's something that I used to try to educate a lot of these young men. You can speak to me, you know, but for the most part, the NCAA controls everything. And you can look at statistics. There's a clause in that that, clause, that, that scholarship that that player signs. And, and right now, I think it's been on Real Sports where the uh, Ed O'Bannon brothers from UC, UCLA, um, one thing about the uh, NCAA is that once these players sign a name on that scholarship, the NCAA is able to use their name for eternity. So when there's college sports that comes out and these college games are making all these millions of dollars, I feel like if someone is using your name, you should be able to get something from it, but you can't. And I know they've been fighting it, um, fighting that law. And, um, you know, I haven't done research lately to see if it has changed, but that is one of the things that the NCAA controls. But when I talk about athletes, parents accepting money or or players maybe accepting money, they decide, oh, I don't want to sign with you. And then they go and get and then sign with someone else. And that's what happened with the Marcus Canby situation at UMass. And UMass, of course, used to be a big powerhouse back in the day. And, you know, there were some things being said about who was collecting money, who wasn't collecting money. But when they start doing research and phone records and, and things like that, you start to realize that somebody was doing something wrong. Mm-hmm. And the only time... Something goes wrong is when somebody decides to talk and somebody is not following through what they say they were going to do. And it's the same thing that just happened with Louisville um, about coaches bringing players in from out of town and showing these athletes a good time because you want them to sign with your school. This stuff has been happening for so many years. And the only reason I think a lot of this could stop happening if college athletes could start getting paid. Because when you look at the aspect of coaches making five and six million dollars but I got a star athlete who's sleeping on a sofa or he can't even eat food because he's hungry start putting something in place to pay these athletes and this will, and this will eliminate all of the confusion that you have because if I'm a star player and and I'm hungry and I can't eat but there's a guy that's giving me five hundred dollars or if I just get a touchdown there's a guy shaking my hand and putting two thousand dollars in my hand because I just got a touchdown and all these people are making money from these TV contracts because the the college get between sixty to seventy something million dollars okay that's a TV deal. The coaches get like five million dollars and I'm a star athlete and if, if and if it wasn't for me, we wouldn't have all these people at this game. Give me something work out a payment plan to pay these players because I promise you you hear about players stealing clothes or stealing shoes, but if you provide Something for them. This will eliminate all of the problems that we have Again, I, I, I like I said I, I love the sports agency, but the bad part about it is this is the greed of money
0: That's that's a very interesting take and uh, thanks for going into the details there because uh, a lot of people from the outside Do not know about this. So oh, yes. Yes, that's, that's good to know So now we've talked about the game itself or the uh, the industry itself now someone listening to this or someone in general wants to get started as becoming a sports agent. What do you okay. recommend as, how do they get started? Do you have uh, some recommendations or ideas for them? Yes, well, of course,
1: when I started off, um, I was a runner. gaining the experience and watching how they amateurize, a contract and things like that. One of the things that I could honestly say amateurizing a contract is, it's really not that hard. What you would do is say that you have a, I'll use the word linebacker, for instance, you want to, if, if, if this is 2017 right now, what you want to do is your client, if he's a linebacker, you look at, okay, once once he gets drafted, you look at where he got drafted at. So basically you want him to make a little bit more than what the person got drafted in 2016. So you always want to go up because everything like inflation, everything goes up. So you, you, you sit there and you try to figure out where he, where he fit in at, and then you sit and try to negotiate from there. But to get started, of course, you want to get experience. You have to work with someone who's already been in the business. Sometimes it can be a little bit hard just knowing someone and, and kind of, I say, kind of getting your feet wet. But you can actually go to their website. There's tests that you can take. Yeah, it's just a test that you can take, and it's going to basically teach you everything that there is about sports agency. I noticed lately a lot of states has gotten involved. So now they want you to be certified in that particular state. So you also have to have your your, your state license or where you're going to be working at. And then you also have to pay for your certification. If the the prices have not changed, it's probably like about should be about maybe fifteen, maybe sixteen hundred dollars now for your license. And that's once a year. And keep in mind, now you can pay sixteen hundred dollars for a license. However, it doesn't guarantee that you have a player. So if you just pay sixteen hundred dollars for a license, and you don't sign any players that year, you just lost your license. Well, I I shouldn't say lost your license, but I look at it as you just lost your $1,600 because you didn't have a player. So make sure that you have someone doing that whole process. It's kind of like a real estate agent. You don't want to get a real estate agent and not selling no houses. Well, good is that? It's the same thing um, in that business. So do your homework, build relationship with parents and athletes and coaches Go out and apply to get your license.
0: That's a, That was going to be my next question about licenses, so you've already covered that. One thing I wanted to ask you, in your in your case, you mentioned at the beginning that you had experience as a player, so you were a player. How important yes. that is if someone... Is, does that really help or is that mandatory if someone needs to be in the sport to become a sports agent? What if it is someone like me who is not an athlete? Can they also get into this?
1: Yes, you can. There, There's... Quite a few uh, sports agents that I knew that never even played sports. Again, just just do your research. Go online. Uh, I believe it's uh, NFLPA. You go to the website, and uh, they have the information in there. And it's, it's a test. You actually have to go to, I believe it's D.C. now. You go to D.C. Uh, for two days. So it's, it's usually like a weekend. You go up there for a weekend, and you will know if you did get on that test before you leave. Um, but, again, you just go up there, you take the test, and uh, you come back. And – You just start your business. Of course, they don't want you to do anything until after you pass the test. But again, if you decide to wait until after you pass the test, you already missed out because there's always going to be somebody, especially if it's a star athlete, there's always somebody that's already there. And it's just like sales. You have to figure out what can I do to have the advantage over the next person who's getting ready to sign this player. It comes with trust. When you have that trust, it's going to be a lot easier. So I would recommend... Start building trust with some athletes and start building trust with some coaches and then start doing your research and applying, to take the test and things like that. Because once you got that license, it's going to be a lot easier for you to go back to these people and say, hey, you know, I would like to represent you. And with you already having your license it's a lot easier, you don't want to say, well, let me represent you. Let me go and get this test. It just doesn't sound professional. Build a relationship, take the test and then let them know what you have.
0: Perfect. Sounds great. So the, the next question is: Let's say someone has got started. What does an ideal career path look like? Where, where does is there an end, end game uh, with with the career? Uh, like a natural career path? It can be
1: very lucrative, very lucrative. Because if you get a player and he gets 10, 15 million dollar signing bonus, and that's just to put your name on a contract, and that's not even including you know the term of the contract. You know, you, you see some of these guys, and especially now, you see contracts, $100 million contracts. You know, if you're his agent, it just depends. I mean, you can get between 1% to 2% off that. So it's very lucrative. However, it's just being active and doing your research. Some things that you can also do, too, is get college magazines because they have the stats of all these players. And of course, you can just look on the front of the cover and, and find out who the star athlete is, but you can. Look at certain covers. And for instance, if you decided to be a basketball agent or a football agent, I'll just use football agent for instance. Pro Day is a day that I love. Pro Day is where, say that a college has five or six guys that is potential in NFL players. So you're going to have probably, if they got about five or six players, you're going to pretty much have at least 28. I'm sorry, you're going to have at least 20 scouts that's going to come out there. And watch this player and they put them through these uh, agility drills I love because the guys are hype and keep in mind now most of your high-profile athletes get invited to the combines which is in Indianapolis every year and that's normally around February if I'm not mistaken February my somewhere in that ballpark and they show that on television as a matter of fact so you see these guys out there doing the bench press you see these guys out there running the 40s and things like that that's good but a lot of guys don't like going there because they wanted to stay close to their peers, all of their other college friends. And they know that I'm going to get drafted, but in order for one of my best friends to get the exposure, I don't want to go to Indianapolis. I want to stay here at my college, have all these scouts come in and I get to work around my teammate. I see a lot of that, but I love it because these guys are hype. And uh, again, they, they check with the agility skills and things like that. And, you have to be able to start observing your athlete. For instance, if you have a cornerback, I would say, for instance, and say that he bench-pressed 225 pounds 10 times, I'm going to be honest with you. He's not going to get looked at by the NFL for the simple fact that his strength, he's only bench pressing 225 pounds 10 times, but he has a chance to make it to the NFL if he ran that 40. And if he can run that 40 in about full three, that's flying speed. He'll be okay. He'll make it. So I've seen guys like that. And then I'll see guys who, who are offensive linemen or defensive linemen. You know, when you at these pro day, they make you take your shirt off. They make you take your socks off. So I know for offensive linemen, they expect you to be big. That's understandable. You can be big and solid and big and out of shape. So they watch every move you make. You know, and I tell guys, don't bend down. Don't put your hand on your knees. They're observing that. You know, they look at your legs. They try to see how small your legs are. they Everything that they want to know about you, they're going to know. And sometimes I tell kids, man, be careful what you do in elementary school in middle school, because if you're trying to play in the NFL or the NBA or or major league baseball, they're going to talk to your elementary school teacher. They want to know how you are as a person. They want to know what your character is. So it's so important for these kids to try to walk a straight line as much as possible, because what they do today is going to affect them in the future.
0: That's actually great advice. I mean, uh, what I liked about some of the questions you answered is you're not only giving advice for sports agents, but also for potential athletes. So yes, yes. Uh, yeah, thanks. Thanks for covering that. So Rico, we're coming to almost towards the end. And the last question I want to ask you is I know you've given a lot of great advice so far, but if there is one or two, if there is one advice you would like to give to someone who wants to get into the field as a sports agent, what would that be? Uh-huh.
1: I would say have a tough skin. You have to have a tough skin in this business because you're making millions of dollars and not everybody have that opportunity to make that type of money. So you have to have tight skin for the simple fact that there are always going to be other salesmen, which is other agents that want your business or or want the same client that you're going after. So you're all going to get some good clients and you're not going to get some good clients. You have to just stay firm and be true. Don't do certain things for certain players because you have one player, if if you charge 2%, Charge everybody 2%, because if you decide to charge 1%, this is the NFL or the NBA, players talk. And the last thing that you would want is one player to say, hey, I only got charged 1%. Oh, I got charged 2%. You're going to lose that client. I promise you that. So if you're going to be one way, be one way all the way and don't change for people, because guess what? You have a lot of players that will accept 2%, because at that point, sometimes it's not even about the money. It's about the loyalty. It's about the trust. It's about knowing that that player could go to sleep because he knows his agent is working for him and his best interest for the family as well. So just be firm and you'll be okay. You'll definitely be okay.
0: Hey, Rico. Thanks very much for coming on as a guest. It was very educational. Lots of great insights you shared. And like I mentioned at the beginning, it's not every day someone like gets to talk to a sports agent. So it was a pleasure. Yeah. Well, I, I definitely uh, appreciate you having me
1: on the show. I enjoyed it and uh, I definitely enjoy giving my experience and I hope that someone would listen to this and say, hey, man, I feel like I can do it because if you put your mind to it, you can do it and achieve anything in life, but you just got to put your mind to it and make it happen.
0: That's a, that's a great summary. Thanks, Rico. Thank you. All
1: right. And you have yourself a good day as well. And let's go ahead and enjoy the Super Bowl game today.
0: <laughs> You're welcome. Thanks, folks, for listening to this episode of the Career Metis podcast. I have written a brief summary of the interview as part of my blog post uh, on my website, CareerMedis.com. If you liked what you heard, feel free to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, and TuneIn. And for more content, ideas, tips, resources, go to careermedis.com. If you enjoyed this particular episode and also learned something new, feel free to post a comment or a review. And if you really loved it, definitely go ahead and share this episode among your network. Until next time, this is Nisar Ahmed, your host for the Career Metis Podcast. Thank you.